Uh, we are in a brand new series this evening. I'm looking forward to it. And for sake of time, we're going to dive right in. So if you're new or it's been a while for you on a Wednesday night, we will spend about a half an hour uh, doing the Bible study. And then we will spend about 15, 20 minutes with our prayer time. And um, at, the end of this, at the end of the time tonight, you're welcome to either pray by yourself or we have several groups that meet inside the room here that pray together. So either way is perfectly fine, but we just have a really good time studying the Bible and praying together. So that's the plan tonight. And thank you so much for being here. Now, I want to just give you a little bit of background really quickly, and then we'll dive in. We're going to spend I, at least the next eight weeks working through this material. Now, this is based, um, obviously based on the Bible, it's a Bible study, but uh, a friend and mentor of mine, uh, Pastor Kerry Schmidt, he wrote a book, and he's really a prolific author. Anything he's written, uh, some of you, how many of you ever read one of uh, Pastor Kerry's books? Several of you have. Those little books done that we like to give away, he wrote those as well. Um, but the Lord's used him to put together a lot of great material and so this study, the lessons are based on a book that is called Stop Trying. So if you'd like to get the book, um, I've got the, the, the audio or, or I also have the Kindle version. It was like 10 bucks to get it on Kindle or you can order it from Moody Publishers. So if you'd like to get a copy of the book and read along each week, you could do that. We don't work through the book per se. We just take the biblical principles out of it. But the book is a great supplement to this study. So I'd recommend it if you're a reader. Um, I'd recommend it if you're not a reader. You could become a reader. So it's, a, it's really good material. Now, obviously, the theme is identity. So let's just start with some scripture. I think it'll all start to make sense as we just dive in. I won't spend a lot of time explaining it. So uh, at the beginning, I should say. So let's look at the opening verse, Steve, if you'd put that up. Um, and it's on your handout as well. It's Mark chapter 8, and it's verse number 35. Let's read this together. And this is going to be a foundational verse for us tonight. So Mark chapter 8 and verse number 35. Let's read out loud together. Begin. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. And this is one of the great powerful ironic statements of Jesus. It's a or you could say it's a paradox where you gain by losing and you actually can lose by gaining as well. So this statement really lends itself well to this concept of identity. So identity is the key term and it is a buzzword in our culture today when we talk about identity. Everything from your personal identity to sexual identity to gender identity. It's something that's spoken a lot about. Now, while the word itself does not appear in the Bible, the Bible is, covers the topic thoroughly. Now, so let's just define some terms. And as we get ready to do that, as we think of this material, what is happening here? And this is, I'm, I'm really kind of into all this, so I enjoy this. So basically, you have kind of an intersection here of the Bible, of theology, but also of psychology, the way the human mind thinks, the way we perceive ourselves. 
And you have this really great intersection of all these different studies and then how the Bible makes sense of it all. Just double check. Did you ladies get the Spanish versions? You got them? All right, awesome. You're welcome. So when we talk about this, we're really talking about things that are at the core of a person. They're unspoken realities. The view of yourself is something that is, for some people, I would say younger people nowadays are more self-aware. It's a cultural phenomenon or movement where people are self-aware of how they perceive themselves, what their identity is. Previous generations weren't as concerned with that. However, it still was there. It was just in the background. It was in the subconscious. And so these are gives explanations of why people act the way they do, why people feel the way that they do. So look at the definition of the term right here on the handout. When we speak about identity, we're speaking about the deepest idea of who you are. Or you could say the story that you tell yourself about yourself. The story that you tell yourself about, you, about yourself. How do you perceive yourself? Who do you consider yourself to be? Now, something we'll study in future weeks is this. We all look for our identity to be validated. How I perceive myself, who I perceive myself to be, we look at, we look for that validation. Now, there's two voices. One is internal. What do I think about myself? Who do I think that I am? And the other is external. Who do others define me to be? Who do others say that I am? For instance, if you grew up in a super traditional traditional background, culturally traditional, you probably had a lot of pressure from your family to be a certain type of person. How many of you grew up with that kind of, uh, okay, I see some hands up there, some are like this, some maybe not, right? Maybe you grew up um, with, a, with a certain ethnic background, right? Maybe you were, I, I heard some conversation on the way in, somebody talking about their name and saying, yes, it was a good Irish Catholic name, right? That's the kind of thing we're talking about. That's that how that there's things that were externally, you were expected to live up to those external uh, pressures that were put on you. But then sometimes people go through a journey of self-exploration and they throw that off and then they internally decide who that they want to be. Now we see that today in very radical expressions as far as completely changing their, their, their very physical and makeup, and we may say a bit more about that. The point isn't to deal with that tonight. Now, the question is this. As we think about this, the question is, what forms our identity? What forms our identity? Or what is it, what is it that we trust to build ourselves? What is it that we trust to build ourselves? Go back to the scripture. Look at that verse, Mark 8, 35. And, and tell me this. Peop, how does this verse inform Christian view of identity? Looking at Mark 8, 35, just looking at this, what does this verse, and I, and I know it, we're, again, this is kind of a foundational lesson, so it may take a little while for your mind to get thinking in this. If you're anything like me, it's, it's kind of like, oh, it's been a long day. We're talking about kind of deep, heavy things here. What is this verse, how does this tie in to what we're speaking about with how a person views themselves, what they think about themselves, what other, others think about them? 
Some, who would like to go first and give us a little insight on that? Yeah, Mike, go ahead. Welcome back, Mike. Good to have that first hand to go up, as usual. So go ahead. Um, the second part of the sentence kind of displays a piece that it, like, you put down your own life, your own ambitions for those that are God's for you. Okay. So your identity is directly informed by what God has for you. All right. Abs yeah, that's a great insight. Somebody else, how does this first? Yes, go ahead, James. Good and loud so that in the back and hearing everything. I was going to say something similar to what Mike said, but also the first part of the verse is talking about if you try to live your life your own way, it's not going to, you're going to lose it pretty much. It's not going to be, life is not going to be worth it for the gospel if you, if you try to save yourself because you won't really, you won't save it. Yeah. So it's interesting because, go ahead, Jake. It's, it's, hard for the human mind to comprehend that um, God's rewards are more beneficial than man's rewards. Yeah, or that, or that God could have a better plan for our life yeah. than we could even have for ourselves. This is really the whole core principle of our identity. As people in our, we live in one of the first generations where people are free to try to form their own personal identity and to define who their very sense of self is. We're in one of the first generations that has that luxury. And from a Christian perspective, it's all a matter of faith. Are we willing to say, are we willing to step back and say that not even myself, forget external pressures, but even my own internal voice, my own internal compass is not sufficient to define me. But I believe by faith that I am who God says that I am. And I must be, I must define myself by Him. That's the question. And that's how Christianity, we think, we th there's so many ways that Christianity impacts our lives. Obviously, we think, well, you need Jesus for salvation, to go to heaven, but Jesus saves the whole person. Every single part of us is yielded to Him. So this idea of identity is actually all throughout the scripture. In fact, while the word's not there, maybe you can tell me if you know if you know some of these things. What are some what are some biblical words that have to do with identity? Anybody? Some words that you'd find in the Bible. Obviously, there's some there's some obvious ones in here. So let's go with the the give me here. What is the identity word in this in this verse? Yeah, you got it. Go ahead. What was it? Life. life. Your life. Are you about to, you're trying to keep your life to yourself? You'll lose it. So life would be, what's another word that may not uncover, that, that is tied up in it? Yeah. Okay. Boy, that's, that's an interesting one. Yeah. That's good though. Yep. Deny. Deny yourself. Deny your identity. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You'll find the mind spoken about in the Bible. You'll find lots of verses that deal with the mind. You'll find verses that deal with the heart, the soul. All of these words are defining who we are in our inner being. So let's think about the, let's think about the lost part. Let's think about this. Number one, part of what happens through life, and this is universal to all of us, 
Whether you're a Christian or a non-believer, it's irrelevant. Each of us experiences deep loss in our lives. I don't have to go around the room and ask you, have you lost something or someone in your life? We all experience loss throughout our lives. Now, as we understand this, though, I want you to think about this. Loss and the experience of loss can become a moment of crisis for people. So let's, let's give an example. Let's say you work your whole life to get a certain career. And then something happens and you lose the career. There's the object that you lose. But then sometimes, then sometimes your identity can be tied up in the object. You understand the idea between the object and the identity? It's not just a job, though. What else could it be? Give me some other, give me some other examples of that. So you that experiencing loss, that there's an object of loss, but then somebody's identity is attached to it. I will come back to you, but I'm looking, I'm going to try to get more participants in the room. What is another example of something that it could be an object, an, something that is lost, but then identity could be tied to it? What's that? Yeah, it could be a child, could be any person, right? So whether it's a, it's, yeah, so if a person was a child, there's the loss of the, there's the loss of the person, but then sometimes that person is connected to your identity as a parent. So if a child is lost, then who am I really? If my life's purpose was parenting this child, you see, because what happens is these people, these individuals and objects, we don't really have control over them, do we? We don't have control. So when, what happens is we attach a sense of who we are to something or someone that we do not have ultimate control over. And if that is lost, we can, we can go into dark, dark places. Something else, yeah. Yes, that would, that would go to this. Let's, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Let's go back now, though, to what are, when we talk about experiencing loss, what are things, so Mary mentioned, uh, like, a child. Yeah, the end of a marriage. That's a, that's a really difficult one, where it puts people in an identity crisis. Yeah. Yeah, so it could be it could be a sport. It could be a like, yeah. I've I've known people as they age even, or or a medical thing could, could thing could happen where this happens as people age frequently. Where, go ahead. What were you gonna say? Well, a disability or a health crisis in someone's life. Right, a disability. That's a good way to put it. A disability or a health crisis. What now? If yes, I can lose that, but now. What does this say about who I am? See, these are heavy things. Like, because all humans, this is just a reality of life, that we live in a fragile world. Everything that we hold on to is super fragile. So the point here is, well, we'll get to the point. Mm. Because if you're 
Yeah? So it's not always a bad thing that causes a loss of identity. Yeah, that's a good... It can cause a loss, can equally cause losses of identity. Yeah, that's a good point. We're, I'm not really... I'm not... That's very good. It's not in the material tonight. We're focusing on the loss part, but you are right. Like the gain... Yeah, that, that's in the verse. You're 100% right. What that's, that's the verse of Mark that says, what's, uh, Gain the whole world, but lose your own soul. Aging, also, people lose identity in aging because it kind of goes along with the physical right. limitations. Right, physical limitations. And it's a question of, well, if I can't provide for my family or if I can't even take care of my house any longer. I, don't, I, I knew, uh, I, I remember growing up hearing and about it, one of the elderly men in the church who, and he's gone to be with the Lord since then, but he couldn't do this, the simple physical things that he used to do in his home, and that caused great distress in his heart. So we have to be very careful about attaching our identity to things or people, anything that is fragile. So the whole point here of, the, of where we're going to be in the next few weeks, the whole idea of stop trying is that people are looking to establish their lives. And Jesus says, instead of trying, you have to lose your life and give it to me. It's an interesting concept. And it requires great faith. Losing the identity that's tied to the object. Now, let me show you this, though. Sometimes God graciously brings the loss into our lives. Sometimes, because remember, if Jesus is saying here that if you lose your life, you'll find it, shouldn't we then expect that if we're following faithfully, he will lovingly bring some loss into our lives? Because he's saying that it is through loss that we experience ultimate gain. So, Look at this verse, James 1 and verse number 3. And there's many other passages that speak about this. But James 1 and verse number 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience or endurance. That loss and trials and difficulties that God brings into our lives can be used, are used, are are intended for our good. Now that's a lot easier to say in the Bible study than to believe when it happens in our lives. But loss is actually often part of God's good plan for us. I know Deborah's been reading some material from Johnny Erickson Tata. How many of you remember? Do you remember? I mean, back in the Billy Graham days, she was everywhere. She was the woman that she is the woman. She's I think around seventy now. But she had a diving accident, and she lost, uh, she was, she became a quadriplegic. But then she would do tremendous artwork with pencils and paintbrushes. I think it was paint and pencil drawings with her teeth. And, but, but she talks a lot about this loss of identity and finding a renewed identity in Christ. That's a hard thing to accept. I don't know if, I don't know what I would do in her scenario. I hope that I would be as as yielded to God as she was. But God definitely used her loss for great gain in her life. Because remember, God's goal for the Christian is not that we be happy, healthy, and rich. 
That's not his plan for us. His plan for us is to begin our eternal relationship with him now. Eternal life doesn't start when we get to heaven. It starts when we become believers. So everything that Jesus is doing in our lives that God is allowing is to bring us closer into fellowship with him so that he is our identity. He is our security. Now, obviously people ask, so deep loss is a part of this. Another thing that's part of this is people ask deep questions. Number two, questions like, well, ultimate questions in life that lead people to identity crisis are things like this. Who am I? Why am I here? And if I do answer that question, if I do understand who I am and why I'm here, what am I supposed to do with my life? What am I supposed to do with my life? Now, this is an oversimplification. This is an oversimplification, but I think it's a helpful one. So just understand that, what I'm about to say. Think about what our modern materialistic worldview, and I know everyone is not a materialist, but we, there is a strong materialistic movement in our world today. Think about what they tell people. From our earliest age in preschool, we're told on our drawings, you know, you are special. Outline the trace of your hand and your fingerprint. There's nobody in the world that has your fingerprint. You are like that snowflake that's one in a bazillion. We teach it. But then you get to be about into fifth grade, and a science teacher, and I know there are not every science teacher believes this, but let me just, I'm just giving you the oversimplification. Then in fifth grade, your science teacher says, well, actually, you are an accidental bit of cosmic material swirling through the universe until we finally get burned up by the sun. But you're special. Right? This is a conflicting message that our young people grow up with and they don't know what to believe. What do I believe? Does my life have true intrinsic value, meaning, and purpose? Or am I just making my laps around the sun and it's all just going to burn up for nothing. These are major identity questions. And the, the most fair-minded people in our culture today wouldn't say, yes, you're just... They often just throw up their hands and say, well, you just really can't know. You just really can't know. So this is the... And, and we wonder why people wrestle these things, why people struggle so much. Interesting verse is in, you can find in 1 John 3, verse number 1. This is, this is the apostle, the, the elderly apostle John writing to the Christians. And he says this, Hold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Now because of that, the world does not understand us. The world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Now there's a lot of applications you could make from this verse. It's a wonderful verse filled with, filled with, with truth. But one of the things I would draw out of it is this. We as, as a believer, if you believe the word of God, if you believe that God is real, that the Holy Spirit is real, that Jesus is the Son of God, then you have insight to information, to an anchor for your life, that the world does not have access to. Now that's an exclusive statement of Christianity. That's a statement that 
some people find offensive, and I understand that. However, that is the claim of the Christian message, that we have, through Jesus Christ, a relationship with God that gives us the answers to the deepest questions of life and identity and meaning. And it's a wonderful thing. I've had simple, questions, simple conversations sometimes with people who've challenged me, and I'm more than happy to, for people to challenge. To challenge, that's fine. But, I, but a simple statement I've, I've often given back when, if people challenge my belief in, in the Bible, say, okay, but what do you base your life on? What do you base your life on? Because ultimately, it's either going to be, well, what someone else says, or it's going to be my own human thinking. And if you're confident to trust in your own human thinking, that's a choice you'll have to make. But for myself and for the believers, we've settled on the fact that I don't trust my own thought processes at all. I want my mind and my life to be informed by God, the Holy Spirit, through His Word. Through His Word. It's an anchor for life. Number three, why? Why is this so important? Because all people want and seek deep renovation. Deep renovation. Let's, I'm going to move quickly through this because I've only got about seven minutes left tonight. What, I, I thought about this. People want deep renovation. It's important to understand the Bible, but it's also important to understand how the Bible rings true to the realities of life. People face, when people face some of the things we talked about before, those identity crisis modes in life, they lose something or they gain something, like Josh says, and now they go into identity crisis. How do people typically react in that identity crisis mode? There's really a couple of extremes. There's a, sometimes a very negative reaction to an identity crisis, and then sometimes there's a positive, and I don't mean positive in a good sense, I mean proactive. In the negative sense, I think we know what happens. People may go into deep, dark depression. That's not the only cause for depression. I'm not, again, I'm not over, I'm not a psychologist, so I'm going to just say that as I, do, as I do this. I'm not pretending to cover everything about the human experience, and I don't pretend to know that. But I do know it is a fact that in certain cases, people are in deep depression because they've lost their sense of identity. It's one of the causes. But not everybody goes into that dark place when they hit identity crisis. Some people, they don't go depressive, they go manic. In their, and so what happens? What do we see in people's lives when they face this? What do we see? Big changes. Like huge. Like what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it could be. Now, like, again, I'm not speaking good, bad, or indifferent about this, but you'll find people that will, will, will have major cosmetic procedures done on themselves, right? To, now, again, I'm not making a judgment on if, if that's right for a person at any point in their life or not, but you will see somebody who was a certain way completely reinvent themselves on their physical appearance or completely reinvent themselves with their social life 
and get a whole new group of people around them. What, what other ways do people react sometimes? Change their career totally, like 180. Yep. And I want to be careful with this because is it always wrong for people to do these things? No. Sometimes changes and pivots in life are actually helpful. But it does show us that we all face moments in life where we, we feel internally something has to change. There's a dissatisfaction with who I am or how I'm behaving. The problem isn't that they're necessarily doing those things. But the problem is, what do we hope to gain from these changes? What do we hope to gain? Because if you simply hope to gain, you know, well, I think that this will be a better job for me. I'll be more fulfilled. Or I'd like to look in the mirror and think better of myself. Or I'd like, fine. All, that's, all that is fine. But if we are hoping that we will feel more value out of our lives, that we will find that peace that we've searched for, that we will have that sense of satisfaction. We can't find it in those things. Because we want deep renovation. And so people will sometimes go into, uh, into a crisis mode. And we see that. And we've, you and I, we may have even done that to some level or some extent in our lives. So, again, I'm not saying this to judge you for any decision. I, don't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. But I, do, I would challenge you and challenge myself, when we're making these major pivots, ask ourselves the question, what am I after? What is my goal in this? Because remember our opening verse, whoever loses his life will find it. It's not about reinventing or rediscovering who you are. It's about knowing Jesus more. Paul said in his life that he really he had one goal, to be found in him, to be found in Christ. And so, in all of our trying and earning and achieving, we need to be careful how much hope we're putting in that. He put it this way in the book. I'm going to read this quote from the book. This is how we look at life. Ideally, life goes like this. We work hard in school, graduate, and pursue our dreams. We're told you can be whoever you want to be. Through hard work over several years, we try diligently to build a sense of self and identity. Then we subconsciously tie our hearts to the things we achieve. We come to believe that these things define us and give us security and meaning. We draw value and happiness from them. In ways we don't consciously perceive or even intend they begin to own us. Even when the life work is harder than we expect, we press forward, anticipating that there's a payoff. Someday, somehow, this is going to fulfill and secure me. But underneath all the trying, we subconsciously anchor our sense of self to weak things. Things that are fragile, losable, and breakable. Knowing that, we are, knowing that we are tied to things that can come undone, we live in subtle fear, trying and hoping to secure ourselves and avoid deep loss. We bury our fear, tuck a fragility neatly out of sight and mind, and try to secure the self we are constructing. But we know at our core that life is inherently dangerous. 
When identity loss actually unfolds, it's no fun. Losing our fragile selves is painful and emotional. In our desperation for answers and hope, we tend to replace the old house of cards with a new one, equally flawed. Scrambling for stability, we look for new places to root our hearts. A new relationship, a new job, a new social media profile, a new people group. We move from one weak place to another. We try on new selves, and each new identity will eventually fail us like the last one. The cycle repeats itself unless we break it. How do we break it? That's where God steps in. And he walks with us in a deep loss. He's breaking us free from a broken cycle. Very well put. So, what we need, what we need, number four, is we need something stable. We need something solid. We actually need someone. It's a savior. We need to be saved. Isn't that what everyone's, one of my other favorite authors, Tim Keller, he spoke, he, he spoke a lot about this, that everyone is looking for a savior. They may not think of it in, they not think of it in religious terms, but everyone is looking for a savior. Save me from whatever situation I'm in. But what we don't realize is our greatest need is salvation from ourselves. Not to be saved to be myself, but Jesus save me from myself. So look at the last verse on here, Proverbs four twenty three. The first word is keep or guard. It's the idea of keeping as in guarding. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Guard your heart. So the discussion questions, we kind of already spoke about number one. But what do you think, number two here, what do you think it means? Why does he say we need to guard our hearts? Yeah? Our, our hearts can deceive us. Yeah. Why else? What else? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think our, our hearts are also impressionable. They can be easily influenced. Mm. You, did you have a hand up? Yeah. What affects our heart? That's a really good point. Because wherever the affection of your heart is, that's what the verse is teaching. Because from your heart come the issues of life. All of your life is flowing out of wherever your heart is. And so the writer of Proverbs says, guard it. Very, very carefully guard your heart. The, the last one. The author states, past success is never enough for an unbreakable future identity. I think we've pretty much covered that. Why is that? Well, it's because whatever success you've had in the past is no guarantee of success in the future. It's unstable. All of these things are unstable sources, unstable foundations for us to build our lives on. 
And so as I said earlier in the study tonight, it's important for us to know what the Bible says. But I enjoy studies like this because they demonstrate to me that not only do I know what the Bible says, but the Bible's answers ring true to the real problems people face in every generation. Here we are in 2024 with a whole culture in identity crisis mode. And we're reading a passage from Proverbs that is 3,500 years old. We're reading from Mark's Gospel, 2,000 years old, that is just as relevant to what we face today as it was the day it was written. So we'll look at more of these in the coming weeks. I hope you'll be here for each of them. I'd encourage you to pick up the book. And I think a little bit more will be opened up as we go. There's, there's much more to uncover. Any closing thoughts? before we wrap it up tonight. Okay, let's, let's have a closing prayer. Dear Lord, please help us as we continue through this study. Lord, help our minds to be open and to be informed by you and your word. Lord, help us to give you our hearts. And I pray for anybody that might be struggling with this now. I know I do from time to time, building my life and trying to accomplish things. Lord, I I know that I, I struggle with this often, not making you my real, true identity. But I, so I just pray you'd help us all to just, just to breathe in your grace and to know that you have our lives under control. That you are all we need. Lord, we love you and we're thankful that we, we have you and that we can trust you. And even when you bring loss in our lives, God, your plan for us is good. Lord, I love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.